Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Haas Talks Foss. I'm the Haas, Matt Yakovit. I'm here with Kai Arno from the Maria DB Foundation. Hi, Kai. How are you this morning? Hi, Matt. I'm quite fine. How are you? Good, good. So Kai is the CEO, right, of the Maria DB Foundation. You've been CEO there for several years now. Um, yep. And you just had a new addition to the family. I did. I did, yes. So, so there was a new production release. Um, Spontaneously, uh, as, as things ha- things happen, so I got a son uh, on the 9th of September, and that's a great yeah. addition to have to the family. I, I have two children since before, but that's more than a quarter century ago. So this is a a very uh, new release with a long cadence between the releases. Yeah, and so if it's September, you are now in that phase where you're probably getting little sleep. Uh, yes, but uh, perhaps we should talk about something else than the amount of sleep. But yes, you're right. <laughs> well, um, congratulations on that. I know it's it's always great to um, to, to to have uh, a new addition, a new release to the family. So, um, just wanted to congratulate you on that. But you also just went through another uh, momentous uh, occasion at Maria. You had a Maria DB server fest recently. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. So, so we realized like a good year ago that, that our way of talking to our audience does not work during the pandemics. And, and last year we had, uh, had a, our first server fest and then we've had a couple of mini fests uh, on, on some topics. But then every year we think there should be a proper server fest where, where the only common denominator between the different Talks is just Maria DB, so people can submit on anything, and we just had that uh, at the, in the beginning of the, of the month. And so, how how was it? How was attendance good? You know, how, how did that go this year? So, uh, I think my observation from this year is that uh, the quality was great. the The speakers were fabulous, and, and we got some good feedback on it. But the, the amount of attendees was not the same as last year. So last year, it was our first ever server fest. Prior to that, we had only done what we call unconferences. And those unconferences were preaching to the choir. It was less than 100 people, uh, those who contribute code to the server. And, and uh, not, none of those have had more than 100. But last year, we had more than 10,000. So it was a 100x growth in, in the amount of attendees. And of course, we had no experience uh, organizing events for hundreds of people physically. And now this became a virtual event with an enormous success last year. And I think that was uh, it was part luck and part uh, uh, proper planning. And the luck part, of course, was that people were starving last year for contact, for, for getting interaction, for, for getting news. And... and uh, this year, people are, are more accustomed to how to do online conferences, and they, they are a bit more picky. And there wasn't this uh, insatiable hunger. So, so our numbers were not as big as they were last year, but, but the content we were, we were quite as happy with as we were with the year before. Yeah, it, it's tough with you know, a lot of the open source projects um, you know, this year with virtual content, I've been to a speaker on several, um, we've done a few and it seems that every time you, you get better at delivering mm-hmm. and your audience kind of 
you know, it, they're getting a little shyer about coming to some of these. Uh, and so that's difficult from a from an open source perspective because you want to reach as many people. But um, typically it's good when you have that content available that people can go get on demand because uh, I, I see even for a lot of the content that I do, I might have, you know, 10%, 20% live and then I get 80% the next month, right, you know, of, of viewers. So, um yeah, I think that's a good observation, this, this live thing. So why is it important to be live? Nobody says that live as such is really more relevant. It feels exciting that it's happening just now. And I was there when it happened. And I heard it first news. But if you really think about it, does it make any sense? It doesn't. I think I'm more interested in what's important and what's relevant. And if I get to hear about it a week later or a month later, I probably will be as efficient, and at least if I get uh, I get to reduce the amount of spam in things that happen uh, live because of the microphone going circular and whoa, 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 and wait, we'll have to arrange this technical matter. Yeah, if you get rid of all of those, then then you get a much higher signal to to noise ratio. So, so I, I don't think that this happening right now is 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 so important. Yeah, and I mean, we I, we've just started to do a few in person conferences, um, and I don't know if you've been able to attend any yet. Um, really? I've I've done two in the last three weeks, um, and a few virtuals. Uh, and we're physically present again. It felt good, but it's it's interesting. So so we've also had some people who went to KubeCon. So there was the OSS Summit, so the Open Source Summit uh, put on by Linux Foundation, and then KubeCon the week after or two weeks after. And then all things open, um, mm-hmm. and so you, you know that all, three open source focused conferences in a row, and uh, attendance was about twenty percent ish of what it would normally be in a normal year. Um, they they went hybrid. I'm not sure about the hybrid um, component and how many people tuned in. Um, we didn't get a lot of questions. Um, on, on, on sessions that I did. Uh, so I'm not sure, like virtual questions, uh, if there were, were many people who tuned in there. Um, but it was good to see people, and there was definitely a thirst for people in person. They wanted to come by and talk to someone, uh, which was good. And I think that uh, a lot of people, um, you know, enjoyed that. Now, it's interesting, depending on where in the country, in the U.S. you are, and it's probably the same thing worldwide, you're going to have a very different experience. So I know um, high loads coming up in, in high load in Russia, they're probably yep. expecting close to probably 80%, 90% of what they normally get, which very, very large crowds. But here it might be 20% somewhere else in Europe might be 50%. It, it just depends on where you are and how comfortable people are getting together in person. Yeah, well, in, in Moscow for high load, I would assume that quite a lot of, of the people don't have to travel all that far. That said, though, traveling inside Moscow can take its time as well. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, no, so I'm looking forward to getting in person and, you know, being able to see, you know, sessions again and, you know, uh, say hello in person. Uh, but uh, did you have something that really stuck out in your mind during ServerFest that you were like, that was a really good session or you learned something or something you would recommend people to see? Well, yes, there, there were several. There were several. So, But I'll say just three. It's, it's, uh, it's Monty 
is Peter Zeitzer and it's Steve Shaw. But I, by that, by mentioning singling out these three, I don't want to offend any of the others. I do think that many, many presentations were good. So, the Monty, why am I singling out Monty? Because everybody has heard a Monty presentation if you're into my SKLR or Maria did. Well, this is because his presentation now was a huge one. So very often he, he has a reheated version with some changes because of the latest release, uh, giving a, a bit of an update. But this time he was triggered by uh, a wedding uh, of uh, people who, who had nothing to do with IT. And they asked stupid questions, but usually stupid questions can be very smart. We have to explain to these people what, what is open source and, and, and what is Maria Didi. And, and uh, the end outcome was the curious tale of the uh, disappearing uh, closed source database. So the, the talk was about migration. And he managed to, to tie this into a story that started from why source code initially was open and then why did it go closed and why was open source invented on top of it and what's the relevance for this when it comes to, to databases and, and, and why are people now migrating off closed source databases. So that's number one out of three. The number two out of three would be Peter Zaitsev's uh, comparison of uh, uh, MariaDB, the current MariaDB version 10.6 with MySQL 8. Uh, and he's, he pointed out that he's an equal opportunity offender that he wanted to... That he is. That he is. Uh, I, I, I like the expression, but I did not feel offended. So, so um, usually in, in any such comparison, uh, you, you would end up by, by saying, well, yes, yes, he, he sort of did the right thing, but there was this one or two things that he said about Maria that really, they, they, they disturbed me because they're just not true. They're not, just not true. He, he should have presented it differently. That, that's what, what I had expected my gut reaction to be. But it wasn't. It was, it's, he, I think he did throw a couple of punches in, in, in everybody's directions, but, but sometimes you do deserve punches and the punches were not, they were not provocative. So in my, uh, QA session with him afterwards, I, I said, I asked him, uh, is, is this the same? Because I said that I know, like the same thing with, with, with Monty, who, who was very moderate in his presentation about, about, uh, he could represent in a credible way why you should stay with Oracle. It, it's not as if, if he would have caricatured it uh, and, and made it obvious that only the truly stupid people go with such a lousy product. There was no, no such, uh, uh, Provocation and, and through this balance, also on, on Peter Seitz's side, I think that the audience will get some understanding of when we use reach out to the to, to products. And then the third one would be Steve Shaw uh, of Intel uh, describing some cool hardware things related to uh, uh, Maria, how it's running on, on, on modern hardware. So, so that that's like a geeky, techy kind of, of, of presentation that, that I would uh, recommend. And we're going to have all of these as individual URLs. You don't have to look for our number two and minute 34. Oh, no, no, it wasn't there. Where is it? It, it will be easier to find soon. So, so we will blog about that. Great, great. L looking forward to maybe catching up on some of the missed content. So, you know, MariaDB is a, you know, 
really widely adopted technology. Um, you, you have taken lots of contributions from across the world. Um, it's not easy to manage such a large, diverse ecosystem. I mean, how, how do you do it? Do you have tips and tricks? Because there, there's a lot of, um, you know, other projects out there that are starting to grow in scope. Open source is more popular than it's ever been. Um, everybody's looking at it as the next big business model, unfortunately. And I don't think open source is always, you know, a good business model necessarily. But, um, you know, everyone is starting to develop their own open source program offices. They're starting to look at, you know, how do they manage these massive amounts of contributions in or out of organizations. Um, and I figured you would be a great resource to maybe ask about some of that management of contributions. Mm -hmm. So so first of all, I would point out that getting a massive amount of contributions is a hugely pleasant problem to have. And it's one that most people struggle, most projects struggle for a long while to get to. I think it's uh, everybody's craving for attention starting from Instagram to open, going all the way to open source projects. Why would I contribute to a, a, a product where I'm not sure why that why, why that project is, is going to be successful at all anyway? So, so I would perhaps separate it at least into two, the problem. How do you get contributions at all? And then once you have them, how do you manage them? But the common denominator between those two is, is to be a, uh, to strive to be a good open source citizen. And, and I'm not saying that we are a model open source citizen. I'm saying that we're trying to be a good uh, open source citizen by treating, uh, this is very important, by treating these um, contributions based on their technical merit. So, so sometimes uh, if, if you're too greedy with open source, you think even if you're sort of not greedy at all by giving away your open source, but if you're constantly asking, so what's in it for me by giving this for free? Uh, what, where, where do I want to go with this product in a greedy fashion? You, you, that greed will show to your, to your, uh, to your community. And, and there must be a certain level of selflessness which you balance with a vision for the product. Because, of course, you can't take every contribution. It has to have technical merit and it has to be, be technically good and it has to fit into a vision for the product. So I don't think that there is any overall easy answer to this, uh, the question that you have. I, I would say that you will not have the issue of plentiful contributions unless you have a great product and a founder for that product uh, or a founding group for that uh, uh, project that understands intrinsically the value of getting contributions. And then there must be this balance also between the vision of those creating the product and uh, the vision of wanting to get contribution and it's uh, contributions and that's a, a very a very difficult balance to have because I have my vision of where I want to take this and then I get this contribution which which I then should to judge based on uh, whether it fits into something that is not exactly what I had in mind, but still should serve the customer need. So ideally, my vision is for the, the customer need uh, uh, more so than, than the exact architecture of, of, the, of, of the product or the, of the roadmap. This comes next and then comes that. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the difficult things from a 
contributor perspective is sometimes contributors have really good ideas that are super relevant to them and maybe only them. Um, you, you know, you sometimes see this from, uh, you know, I've seen this from some large corporations where they'll develop some very specific feature or enhancement to, you know, an open source project. They'll try and contribute it upstream, but they're the only ones in the world who might need that. And that's a very difficult, you know, uh, contribution because from a, a maintainer perspective, um, you know, as you get that, it might be interesting, it might be cool, but you try and say, how does this impact the other 99% of users? And, you know, what, what, what's this look like for maintenance going forward? So there's always this give and take. Um, and it's a very difficult balance. Yeah, there is, and, and then, so some of these, these contributions are related to platforms or use cases. Will this work on uh, ARM? Will this work on, on, on some particular, will be, be integrated into some particular cloud uh, platform? And, uh, I think that, that you have to, to look at the cost side of maintaining things. So if, if, uh, if this is only you wanting it, but you really, really want it, and there's really not much harm done to the others, then why, why not? But uh, if, if, if there's a distraction, if there really is a maintenance cost to what you're doing and, and, and you literally are the only person who wants it, then, then probably this is not a smart uh, contribution to, to, to take. But I think this also fits into uh, how, you, how the, com- the vision of the product is, is communicated. So if, if, if there is a coherent definition of the product and the database is usually a coherent definition, then um, porting it to another uh, platform it goes along with that. Adding security aspect probably goes along with it. So, so uh, the communication of, of what the product is meant to be about should be helpful. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know we often talk contributors and we talk code. I was having a conversation with a few folks on Twitter uh, this week. Uh, someone had posted, and I completely agree, um, that contributions are more than just code in many cases. Um, and I think that especially for people who are starting out who want to get involved in a project like MariaDB or other projects, it's very difficult to, to, to jump in and you know learn you know, see at a, at a, at a good enough level to, you know, contribute. And so, you know, there's, there's all kinds of other things that projects are often looking to do, whether it's documentation, whether it's how to's providing feedback to the engineering teams. My gosh, every, every open source project that I talk to, the engineering teams are desperate to hear how these things are working, how they can improve them. Um, all of those things are super valuable contributions to the project and to the community. Um, Absolutely. So, so the word contribution usually, like you point out, refers to code contributions, but, but there are so many other ways to, to contribute and we definitely value them. In a way, it's sort of a bit of an elitist thing to uh, define contributions as, as code contributions, but also... Uh, those are the most difficult contributions to uh, to deal with, both to create and to to identify the right way of of, of integrating. So, so it's it's sort of the epitome of, of open source to to get good contributions that, that fit into the product. Yeah, yeah, and 
so for, for, for Maria right now, for Maria DB, what sort of things are you looking for? How can, how can the community get involved today? Like what, what are the, 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 the easy paths or the things that you're like, Hey, we could really use help tomorrow. If you can, you know, take a look at some of these types of things. Well, one easy thing is, uh, well, if it were truly easy, then, then, then it would happen, happen even more. But, uh, take a look at our Jira. Take a look at, at, at the, um, set of, uh, ideas or plans. Uh, they are always on a spectrum between idea and, 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 and already concrete uh, definition. Uh, what you want to, to get done. So, uh, and you can do that in two ways. One, one is you can implement it. Uh, and the other one is you can just vote for it so that others are more likely to, to, to implement it. And there's even the opportunity if you want to grow as a, as a coder that we, we actually have a backlog of, of pull requests that we haven't dealt with. So it's, it's not over a hundred, but it's, it's a large two figure deal amount of, of, of pull requests where we already have a contribution, but it's not entered into the code because it hasn't been properly reviewed. And, and this reviewing process, it, 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 it can have several layers. So if you integrate something deeply into InnoDBs, it's very hard, uh, very unlikely that, that that will go into the code uh, until Marco Makela has, has taken a look at it. But of course, those critical resources don't have the time to look at every contribution very easily. They need somebody to vet that. A contribution for, for them before a Sergei Galopchik or a Marco Macula or a Monty take, takes a look at it. So, so a review isn't just one stamp of approval. It's, it's, it's sort of a, uh, the following step in the process to get the code into the code base. And, and there's nothing preventing people who want to contribute from reviewing other contributions. So I think that's the easiest win. If you want to become a good contributor, then review other existing contributions. Your um, it's it, it's not as if you really have to be worried about making a fool out of yourself and and then suddenly uh, bad code is accepted uh, into the code base because because uh, uh, to get it into a particular piece of uh, uh, a particular release, those who are in charge of that code area needs to approve approve it. But they will do so much quicker if, if there is a pre-review by somebody else. That was a long and long-winded and, and perhaps not the answer to your question, but still something. Uh, if you want to contribute, I do want to underline that uh, reviewing existing contributions is a good thing to do. Well, and it helps you get familiar with the code base. It um, it's it's easy to go out there, potentially take it, test it. Someone else has written it, and if you run into bugs, you can you know obviously help debug and you know see what what what's going on. Um, it, it probably is a very low barrier of entry for a lot of folks to get started there. And, and that brings me to an answer to your question uh, about how to foster contributions or how to deal with contributions. We just made an innovation that is so simple that you could ask us, why didn't you do it before? We just didn't think of it. So, so we have a template on GitHub where one of the quest- new questions is, what are you trying to achieve with your contribution? Oh. And, and this, it's so self-evident to us. What's the purpose of your code? That, that, of course, we should have been asking it all along. But now, since we've added that question, reviews are much easier to make. And it's, it's, uh, the, the process of, of getting it accepted has, has shrunk quite, quite a bit because you don't have to do any guesswork 
And of course, you could also fault the contributors that they should have told it from the very beginning what they, their intention is. But no, people don't think of that. Now that we have the, uh, started with this uh, template, uh, life has become quite a bit easier. No, you know, I can imagine. So <clears throat> I think that that's one of the problems that I continually see across contributions and uh, communities is the assumptions, right? Um, especially if you are, you know, in a position like, you know, you, you are in or, you know, I, I am at Procona where you've got internal teams working on patches and working on the software. You make assumptions that just because you might have an open roadmap or open documentation that end users have read it and that they understand what you're trying to do. And they make the same assumption that just based on the code you'll understand how they're trying to plug in or help. And that right. assumption is always a problem. And so eliminating as many of those as possible is incredibly important. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I so Code is a form of human communication and people, uh, uh, misunderstanding exists between uh, any, any human, uh, uh, any type of human interaction and code is no exception to that. So, and, and I gave a, a talk specifically on like trying to do as much open, um, as possible as a, as a company, um, at the, uh, OSS summit. They had an OSPOCon, um, for, for open source program offices. Um, and so, uh, I, I'm a firm believer in trying to break down some of those silos and get as much information shared as possible. Um, it, it's definitely something that's important. Um, so MariaDB is at 10.6 right now. Yeah. And so it is probably approaching a 10.7 release. Uh, well, not even probably approaching. We, we have something called 10.7 uh, preview releases. So there are 10.7 zeros out there. We'll do, we're doing something new with 10.7. So, so there is not one 10.7.0 go out there and test it. No. Uh, there are about 1070s go out there and try them out. And, and uh, what we've done there is, is we've uh, uh, taken several different branches of, of, of uh, 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 and made builds out of them. So you would like to have, for instance, a natural sort or S form of being two features of, of uh, uh, 10, 10, 7. So natural sorting is like if you have a number series with uh, 10.1, 10.2, 10.3, up, up to 10.11. So if you if, if you sort that literally, then 10.1, 10.10, and 10.11 will all become will all come before 10.2. But natural sort would, would then sort it as humans do with 10.9 uh, being uh, before 10.10. 10 so that was okay. the, that was the, the functionality. Uh, uh, and then there's S format. So that is uh, for those, you know, Python, there's this uh, new S type, uh, string formatting in, in, in Python 3. I don't remember which one. And, and, and those are two new pieces of, of functionality. Earlier, like up to 10.6, they would have all been put into the first dot zero release and go out there, please, please test it. But that created some internal friction because by Thursday at 12, everybody needs to commit their code. And, and if, if there is such a, such a deadline, well, remember, they are, I, I will get it done, but, but can, can I please get a bit of an extension or, 
or even if I don't get any extension, there's this review of, of these changes not causing yeah. merge conflicts. Okay, so S format and natural sort will probably not crash, but there might be others who do. But at any rate, there was a lot of congestion at the time when there's this final deadline. Now there's one deadline a year, and 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 I absolutely want my piece of code to to get into into that release. So I'm I'm going to fight fight tooth and nail to get it to get it done. And I do want here was your attention uh, for, for this to get there. And of course, this creates friction uh, and frustration and. and and needless stress. So what what was then done was that okay, I can get this into my release, and you can get your feature into your release, and, and they will they still have the same deadline, but there's not not any congestion. It's just my tree needs to be coherent and, and provide my feature. I code it as for you code natural sort, and then both get released, and then. Everybody has a bit of time to, to sigh and, 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 and have a, a bit of relief. And then it turns out, of course, not your code and not my code, but that the other guy's code was so bad that, that it shouldn't, it shouldn't be part of 10.7 at all. It doesn't feel quality correctly. Now, if that had now been done up uh, as up until 10.6, well, your code, my code, and that lousy code would be part of 10.7. Uh, and, and it would be the task of management to ensure that the lousy code becomes good or really, really have a horrible time in getting out already committed code, which is not something that, that, that you do. So now instead, when, when 10.7.1 comes out, uh, the lousy code won't get merged. So yes, there was this preview release and we spoke about this fine little feature and some people liked it, but guess what? It did work. And now, it won't contaminate 1071, and we did not okay. get any of the stress. So that's that's how we're changing matters with 107. Okay. <clears throat> and I noticed that there were some also some some additional you know uh changes to some of the JSON uh you yep. know uh, uh functionality as well as some histograms, um, which is interesting. You know, a lot of uh developers uh, are exploring and using JSON and relational databases now. Um, so that's that, th those are also interesting. Well, it features. does make sense. It does make sense. I mean, it, it, JSON always gets attention and, and for a good reason. And people use JSON in their applications. And, and uh, yes, if you want to be fanatic about uh, the normal forms, JSON is definitely not something to put into your database. But there's a reason why people are using using JSON. And there's also a reason why people are using relational databases because you do need the cleanliness out of normal forms. And you, you have to have some spectrum and uh, leeway how, how to apply it uh, when you want to have the logical, mathematical, clean structure of a normalized database and when you allow for, for, for JSON. And, and if it's only a, a on-off switch, either you go MongoDB, and have uh, JSON chaos, or you go with uh, EF Codge model and, and 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 go fascist on 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 normalization. Then then you're probably not doing the right thing. So so there is a need for for, for the mixture here. Yeah, the balance is important. I mean, I think that the number one problem that I continually see with with any of the databases, whether it's you know Mongo or you know MySQL or Maria, it, it's actually the design that people put in them. 
right? I mean, and I think that the more functionality that you can um, make it easier for users, the better you are, um, because users do want to, um, you know, use the tools they're familiar with, um, but giving them those easy options to do the things that are natural in the development space is very important. Yeah, database is a sharp knife, and, and uh, uh, people, most uh, good cooks know how to use sharp knives, and so so we should give them uh, all the different knives that, that they need in order to, to make a good database. Yes. Some cases we need dull knives, though, like for, for some people. <laughs> they got to get started. They got to learn. Um, so what else is coming up? Um, you know, fr- from a from a roadmap perspective, are there are a couple things that you think are really um, interesting for the community that you'd like to highlight that might not have made it into the preview release yet? So um, the intent here is to be fairly strict about those uh, preview releases. So so remember the Thursday three o'clock deadline. If you missed it, you won't be there. So so. Uh, uh, it's in the, the, those preview, preview releases that we have are the only ones that can get into 10, uh, okay. 1071. Um, it, it still depends on, on, on whether we will keep it open for, um, for another alpha release. So, so we have this, of course, it's always a matter of how conservative you are in your, uh, um, language use, but, but basically we have, uh, definitions whereby alpha allows for, for new new versions or new new functionality, and then you gradually lock it up. Uh, and what exactly you can do in beta and, and cannot, uh, it, there's always room for for for, for a bit of fighting around that. So it's not absolutely clear yet how whether there is another opening. So we will have to stay tuned for that. But there's no like um, hidden gem that I want to absolutely highlight. Okay. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, it's it's always good to put as much out there in the open, anyways. So then you don't have to have those hidden gems that people get surprised by. Yeah. So it's good that uh, everybody is is aware of what's coming down the pipeline. Now, um, I, I wanted to kind of close with with this question. Um, you know, I'm curious. What are you hearing from you know the user base from your um, contributors from maybe some of the the, the customers that are using MariaDB on where they want to see MariaDB evolve um, and maybe some of the things that you're, um, you know, thinking about in the future. So, so we have there. First of all, thanks for a very, very good question. And I can tell you it's a very difficult question because people are not pulling always in the same direction. Some people yes. want more platforms. Others want to use it more on the, uh, in, in, within the cloud. Um, Others want to use the same thing in the cloud and on-premise, and they want to be able to migrate freely between, between the two. Um, yet other people want to do migration, so they want to make it easier than, than before to migrate off uh, commercial uh, databases, in particular Oracle, sometimes Microsoft SQL Server. Since 10.3, we've made it fairly easy already to migrate off Oracle. And some say that we, we still have this, this and this feature that, uh, uh, is used in, on that and that commercial database that you want to, to add there. And then there's this, uh, pulling in the direction of, of JSON. Yep. We like your JSON functionality. We still would like that and that. So, 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 um, 
I can't say that there's one direction in which we are being, being, being pulled. We're being pulled in several ones, and that's the great part of being a, a generalist uh, database. We are a general database, and we should go in, uh, allow for uh, uh, most of these directions. So, so the directions I mentioned now, yes, they, they, they might be competing for resources, but they are not diluting the product into into something that is not coherent. So, so the the, uh, the requests that I mentioned and highlighted now can be satisfied. Uh, the only uh, difficulty there is, is to to, add, to do a good relative allocation of of the reason. Great. Well, I mean, you know, I think that you're 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 spot on. There is no one thing that anybody is looking at. It's everyone's looking for fifty different things and. Um, sometimes even the same company wants vastly different requests, you know, uh, you know, from, from their vendors. Right. Um, you know, I want to run on prem. I want to run in the cloud. Right. Okay. Yes. So you can run both or I want to run both at the same time. Um, so True. all kinds of, um, overlap and, uh, craziness there, but Kai, I wanted to thank you for taking some time today to chat with us and uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, the MariaDB community, how to contribute, and uh, give us a, a bit of a preview into the MariaDB uh, future and where, where you know, what's coming out on the preview release there and uh, what you're seeing out in the market. Sure. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. This was quite exciting. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, you're welcome to come back anytime you want. Perfect. Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.